The Bar Star Podcast is a show that aims for something a little different. It's hosted by a drummer who thinks he's a musician. But let's be honest. I know and you know that drummers are not musicians, right? Or are they? Hang on a second. Who wrote this crap? This is garbage. Nobody's going to listen to a show put on by somebody they hadn't heard of. Stupid. Episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly, and I want to thank you for making the time to check out my show to see if you dig it or see if it sucks. I'll try really hard not to make it suck. Once in a while, I'll be joined by friends and or reoccurring friends that may or may not be labeled as co-hosts, but today, I'm flying solo. This podcast is basically going to be an extension of my book. About a year and a half ago, I wrote a book. The book is entitled Bar Star, No Fame, No Fortune, No 401k. And it is a memoir of the last 25, 30 years of my music career. And what I wanted to do with this podcast was just kind of have an extension of the book, tell a bunch of stories that weren't in the book and have some of my friends come and hang out with me. Uh, I have some amazing friends. I have some very cool people in my life. Uh, I'm not going to do a Q&A section with them. They're not going to be my guest, and they're going to do an interview. I don't really care about that shit. I just want to tell stories. One thing since the beginning of time that will probably never change is storytelling. There's a movie I saw called The Legend of 1900, and in that movie, there's a great quote, um, and the quote is actually from some dude named Andrew Barosaka Pepperoni Sini. I have no idea who this dude is. I got the quote from the movie. But the quote is, you're never really done for as long as you've got a good story and someone to tell it to. So full disclaimer, all of the music that you will hear in this podcast, on this podcast, near this podcast, having anything to do with this podcast, the intros, the outros, that music is all mine in some way, shape, or form, meaning that I helped write it, I helped arrange it. All the music you hear with drums is me playing drums. I just wanted to get that out of the way so nobody will try to accuse me of stealing music because I do have permission to use it all. And now back to whatever the hell I was talking about. So I'm going to do some various things from week to week, from show to show, and see what you guys dig. Listen to your feedback and see what you guys don't dig. As I roll on this journey, I will... Add things and take things away from the show as I see fit, but I will ultimately leave it in your hands. I do have a Facebook page where you can leave me comments and nasty grams, and I also have an email address. It is barstarpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave your nasty grams there too. Other than that, the only rules I have are the following. Rule number one, I will not talk about politics on this show because I don't give a shit. Rule number two, I will not talk about religion on this show because it's nobody's damn business. Rule number three, I will not talk about sports on this show. Anybody want to guess? Because I don't give a shit. So before I go any further and discuss some other things that I wanted to talk about, especially my main topic of the day, uh, I have a question for you guys. What the hell is a bar star? Uh, That's me. Hi. How you doing? 
Bar star is a word that slipped out of the hole in my face a few years ago when some musician friends of mine and myself were, we were just hanging out on a random night off and when we were trying to describe what we do for a living, dude, we're bar stars. Um, we play music for a living, mostly in bars. It's what we are. And because of that, here in Louisville, we have this level of pseudo fame. Uh, people will come up to us and from time to time, whether we're at a restaurant or at the mall or wherever we happen to be or whatever we happen to be doing, uh, and they'll just start talking to us like they know us. Because of what we do and because we reach people and we we kind of help them have a at least one night a week or two nights a week, however many nights we play, we help them forget about their daily lives. I mean, our job technically is to make people have a good time. And that's what we do. We're, we're musicians. We're entertainers. I mean, we're bar stars. And I own that term and I, I wear that shit like a cheap suit. Being that this is the first episode of the Bar Star podcast and it is an extension of my book, my book being a memoir, kind of, some people get that a little bit confused with a biography or an autobiography or somebody else wrote a biography about me and it's the unofficial unauthorized autobiography of that dude. Yeah, no. Uh, a memoir is basically kind of a, you can kind of go wherever you want to with it. It doesn't have to necessarily be chronological. Mine is chronological, but it is based strictly on my music journey. Uh, I don't get very personal in the book and I will not get personal on this podcast either. But since this is the first episode, the basic premise of my book is how society looks at success versus what success actually is. So that's what I want to talk about today. I think, in my opinion, and keep in mind this is my show, so it's my opinions. I could be right as rain or I could be wrong as there's not really anything for being wrong. If you're just wrong, you're just wrong. Oh, but he's right as rain. Yeah, but that dude's just wrong. Being that this is my show, these are just simply my opinions. I could be way wrong. I highly doubt it. But it is possible. In my opinion, I think for too long, people have viewed success the wrong way. Meaning that success is almost always equated with fame and fortune. Or being rich, or which I know fortune is the same thing, but they always put fame and fortune together. Or being rich, or being a successful CEO of a company, or owning a fleet of whatever, it doesn't really matter. But it seems to me that it's always equated with some kind of massive success, meaning you're wealthy, you're famous. And I think somewhere along the way, people have actually forgotten what the definition of the word success is, which is the achievement of an aim or a purpose. That is what success actually is. That's the definition of success. The secondary definitions deal with fame and fortune and being rich and all that kind of garbage. It is my firm belief that success should not be defined by fame. I don't think it's an adequate description of the word. I don't think it's an adequate description of a person. For example, if you are the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, obviously you're successful. I get it. If you are the father of a household with a wife and three kids and and you take a vacation once a year to Myrtle Beach, and that's what you want to do, and you're ridiculously happy, I hate to break it to you, that's success too. So I think somewhere along the way, people just kind of forgot what the word means. And that's partially what inspired me to write my book. Um, I am not famous. I am not rich. God knows I'm not rich. I don't own a company. 
but I am very successful if you go by the definition of the word. What sparked me to write my book was, uh, this is a true story, this happened to me a couple years ago. Well, maybe about five years ago. I'm a drum instructor in Louisville, Kentucky, and I had a kid come in for his first lesson. My first lessons are pretty much all the same. I have a spiel I run through, I ask the student questions, I let them ask me questions, and then I give them a canned version of my resume, meaning I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. I kind of assess where they are playing-wise, and then we go on with the lesson. This kid was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 14, 15 years old. As I was running through my spiel, telling him all the stuff that I've done, that I've done some mini tours, and I've recorded some records, and I've done some session work, I'm endorsed by Sabian Cymbals, I gig a lot all over town, I'm in a few bands, I do a lot of sub work, stuff like that. In my teaching studio, I have product posters all over my walls. Sabian Cymbal posters, Evans Drumheads posters, Vader sticks, just all kinds of product posters. And they have all the drummers on there that use their products. So as I'm giving him my canned garbage, he looks at the posters and then he looks at me and he says, well, if you've done all this stuff, then how come you aren't on any of these posters? I couldn't answer the question. I had no idea. And it got me thinking, how do I explain to this, this kid that there's different levels of endorsements and you don't, you can still do stuff and not be famous. You can still make money from your instrument and not be famous. You can still live a dream and not be famous. I really couldn't explain it to him, so he left the lesson. What he took away from it was, I've done a lot of cool stuff, but I'm not on a Sabian poster, so I suck. So I went home, and I thought about it. I sat there, and I thought about it some more. I thought about it and sat there some more, and I went, that's fucked up. I'm beyond successful, especially if you go by the definition of the word, which is, yeah, hopefully you got it by now, the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. So what I did was I sat down and I said, I don't know if I really if I really agree with this kid or not. His assessment is innocent. He doesn't know any better. But at the same time, he has a point. So am I successful or not? So I thought to myself, self? And then I answered myself, what? I'm totally kidding. Or am I? So I started thinking about all the stuff that I've done. I wanted to play drums. Check. I wanted to get better at drums. Check. I wanted to be in a band. Check times way too many. I can't count that high. I am a musical prostitute. Freely admit it. Here and now. I wanted to do some mini tours. Check. I wanted to play live shows. Check times more than 2,000. I've been able to play some really, really cool shows. I wanted to open for bigger bands. Check. I've opened for Overkill, Napalm Death, At the Gates, The Donnas, Queens of the Stone Age, Louder Milk, Cowboy Mouth, Jackal, Vertical Horizon, Eli Young Band, Thompson Square, Finger Eleven. I've opened for some really, really massive bands, and I've opened for some really, really cool bands. I wanted to go to music school. Check. Graduated with a 4.0. That shit liked to kill me, too. I wanted to write a book. Check. Currently trying to get it published. Probably will never tell you that story because it is so boring. I wanted to start a podcast. Oh, hi guys. How y'all doing? I wanted to make a living from behind my drum kit. I've been doing that for a while now. Check again. I know it seems very arrogant for me to list all of my accomplishments, but the reason I listed everything and the reason I just spit all that into this microphone is so you guys can maybe have a different perspective of 
what success actually is. Most of you listening to this probably have never heard of me. You don't know who I am, and that's completely fine. I don't know you either. But if you look at everything that I've done and you look at the definition of the word success, I am beyond successful. Yet, I'm not famous, and I'm not rich, I don't have fame and fortune, and therein lies the irony of what a lot of people go through, at least in my opinion. Some of the most successful people I know are not famous. Some of the most successful people I know are not rich. But the one thing most all of them have in common is they are ridiculously happy. So that's the basic premise of the book. That's kind of why I wrote the book, even though it's about me. It's not a personal thing. It's not meant to be a motivational thing. I'm not trying to motivate anybody, but I do want to give people a different perspective. Uh, I think sometimes people get lost in their own bullshit. I'm completely guilty of that. I think everybody's guilty of that. And since I'm talking about success, I want to kind of give you a, a little bit of a different example. Recently, I had the pleasure of going to see a long favorite band of mine, uh, and that band is Dream Theater. That band was very, very influential to me when I was a kid. And how they kind of tie into the success thing is they have a very weird dynamic when it comes to how that band is viewed by, quote, John Q. Public. Who is John Q. Public, anyway? And who the fuck named that guy? That is the dumbest name ever. They are from America. They've been around since late 80s. Uh, they didn't really hit until 92 uh, with their second record, which is Images and Words. Most people regard that as their first, but it is technically their second. They had a record before that. I distinctly remember driving somewhere, and they had a song off that record that was the first release that was called Pull Me Under. And I heard that song, and I literally, literally, I'll never explain that, pulled over to the side of the road and listened intently and turned my stereo up in my car and just stared at my radio like something was going to pop out of it. Then I immediately, and I remember this vividly, Immediately and vividly. Interesting. I abandoned wherever the hell I was going, and I went to the record store back when they had record stores, and I went and bought the tape. I ate it, breathed it, slept it, shit it, drank it, tore it apart, studied it, broke that one, had to go get another one, repeated that whole cycle. I mean, I just dissected this band, and I dissected that record. And then I found their first record, and then I continued to keep buying their records ever since then, and Fast forward 25 years, I'm on my seventh copy of Images and Words, I think. When I went to see them, it was really cool for me because this tour they're doing is the 25th anniversary tour of that record, Images and Words. And it was really cool for me to see them and for me to watch them do that record live that was so influential to me and to my drumming when I was a but a wee lad. But how this ties into the success realm that I'm talking about, don't worry, I'm not going to lead you astray that far is here in America, they can sell out 1,500, 2,000-seat venues, which is absolutely successful, just by the definition of the word. But in Japan, in Europe, those guys are huge. In Japan, they sell out Budokan three nights in a row. They sell out stadiums. They sell out arenas. In Europe, during the summer, they sell out, or they headline, either one, all of the big outdoor festivals they have. So I just find it interesting that over here, they're kind of, I don't really want to say underground, but most of the people that listen to their music and dig what they do are musicians, so they're kind of underground. But in other countries, especially Japan and Europe, they're, they're just absolutely ginormous. So it's just interesting to look at that and look at success in that kind of form 
and say, oh, well, are they successful or are they not successful? Well, yeah, of course they are. They've got 14 studio records. They've got four or five live records. They've got six or seven live DVDs. I don't know exactly how many records they've sold. I mean, it's in the few millions for sure. But it's just kind of interesting because, like I said, over here, meh, in Europe, in Japan, they're huge. They're basically what we would call rock stars. So it's just kind of cool. That's kind of my little two cents on success. Just give you something to think about, something to maybe chew on for a few days or a few weeks. Or Again, I'm not trying to be motivational, but I am trying to give you a different perspective. Just maybe look at something a little bit different. Maybe you'll go home like I did and you'll sit on your couch and you'll make a list of stuff and you'll go, damn, I have done some pretty cool shit. That's freaking awesome. Here's a section that I'm going to have every episode, and I like to call it Social Media Issues. Social Media Issues will be a little bit different every episode. I have no idea if they're going to be good, bad, or indifferent in terms of how you feel about them. I'll just give you my opinions of the social media issues that I'm talking about, and you guys can make your own decisions. Today what I want to talk about is a post I saw. I don't remember where I saw it. I'm sure it was Facebook, but I don't remember who posted it. But it was someone here in Louisville, and they were basically talking about how they went to see a band, and the band on stage looked like shit. So the person that made the post was basically asking the question, why do bands look like shit on stage? And I read the post, and I agreed, and I I said to myself out loud, Why do bands look like shit on stage? I'm in a band. I've been in tons of bands. I can't even... The thought of going on stage looking like shit drives me nuts. One of the bands I'm in here in Louisville is called Gas Money. And we have a rule in the band. We always look presentable or we always look really good. Either one. We can never... There's no showing up in shorts and t-shirts and combat boots looking like we just mowed our fucking lawn. That's just not going to happen. So we always wear jeans and chucks and either a vest, a shirt, and a tie, or a vest and a shirt, or at least a nice button-down. We always look put together. And it just kind of fascinates me how bands don't really put forth the effort. Or it seems to me that some bands don't put forth the effort. You put in the time on your instrument. You put in the time to get better at your craft. Why don't you put in some time to take a fucking shower and look decent? I'm just saying. And I will give you a prime example of what I'm talking about. A while back, I got the privilege of seeing a band called The Struts. I had never heard their music. I've heard of them, but I'd never heard their music before. So I didn't know what to expect going to the show. I go to the show, sit down, I do my thing. Stage looks kind of normal. Drum kit, some amps. And the lights go down and these guys come out. And they're a four-piece pop rock band from Britain. But the point is, these guys blew me away. They sweated their asses off. They were dressed to the nines. They looked amazing. The singer is a consummate frontman. He worked every inch of the room. He worked every inch of the stage. Like I said, he was dressed to the nines. And he just put in so much effort. He kind of made me think that Pat Benatar and Freddie Mercury had an illegitimate kid and it was this dude. I mean, they were just awesome. But the point is, I couldn't tell you what they sounded like. I have no clue. I don't remember. They were good. Their songs were pretty good. It wasn't anything that I hated because I would probably remember that. But I was so taken aback by their show and the way they were presenting themselves and the the energy that they were giving the, the room, 
I, I couldn't tell you what they sounded like. I have since gone back and listened to the record and I actually dig them. They're, they're pretty good. And the point I'm making is they made an impact on me because of the way they were live and the way they presented themselves. And I'd go see that band 50 more times and it, it wouldn't bother me. There, of course, there are exceptions to the rule, but people listen with their eyeballs just as much as they do with their ears, if not more. I mean, Kiss has made a damn near 45-year career off the spectacle of their live show, and they will tell you from their own face holes that they are not that great of musicians. They've said it countless times in interviews, so I'm not dogging on Kiss. Their words, not mine. But whether you like that band or not, you can't deny their place in music history. You can't deny what they do in their live show, and that's how they keep bringing people back. And they're they're going on three and four generations of people that come see them. They're not necessarily coming for the songs. They're coming for that live show because they're going to get something out of it visually as well as audibly. Think about it this way. When's the last time you said, hey, let's go hear Motley Crue at the Coliseum? No, you've never said that in your life. You say, dude, we're totally going to see crew. Keyword, see. You go to see a show. If you're just going to hear a show, you're either going to the Philharmonic because it's not a visual show, or you're going to go sit on your couch in your jammies and listen to a record. When people pay their hard-earned money to go to a venue, to pay to park if they have to, to pay a cover at the door, to get a drink from the bar, tip the bartender, tip the server, whatever they got to do to get into the show, it's our job to entertain those people. That's what we get paid to do. We don't get paid to stand on stage and stare at our shoes like jackasses. So that's my social media issue for the day. Suck it up. Make an effort. Put some effort into it. Don't look like shit. Act like you care. You're presenting a product. You are a product, whether you like to admit it or not. What we do, whether you play covers, whether you play originals, whether you play a mix of both, you're presenting a product. You are a business. Now, Like I said earlier, there's exceptions to the rule. If your kind of whole motif is to look like shit, like a band like Guar, they look like garbage, but that's their stick. But they still spend a lot of money and put a lot of time and effort into their costumes to look like shit. I think Dolly Parton once said that it's expensive to look this trashy. Something to that effect. You still have to make the time and you have to make an effort. Stop looking like shit. Take a shower. Fix your hair. Do something cool. Here's another section I'm going to do from show to show that's going to kind of suck in a way, but it's not going to suck for you guys. It's going to suck for me. I'm going to agonize over this one. And this one is Stories from the Stage. So given that this is the first episode of the Bar Star Podcast, I'm going to give you the first time I was on stage, if that's what you can even call it. We were actually on the floor. This was early 90s. It was in Columbia, South Carolina. I was in a metal band. Border on thrash. Not real sure. Uh, God love us. We were just not that good. I mean, we tried. We gave it a hell of a go. We really did. But in the grand scheme of things, knowing what I know now musically, having been playing music as long as I have, yeah, we weren't that good. But damn it, we tried. And man, we were fast. Damn, we were fast. We could play super fast, but we had no real direction of where we were going or what we were trying to do. We just knew we could play fast, and we were pissed off. That's really all we cared about. So we booked our first show in a hippie bar. I will repeat that. 
a metal band booked a show at a hippie bar. And it was everything that I hoped it would not be. A fucking train wreck. Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. We brought way too much gear in there. It's a hippie bar. There's not a whole lot of room. And we were on the floor, so it's not like they had a stage. We brought way too much PA in there and no sound guy. We were running our sound ourselves. We tripped the power, got the power back on, blew the PA, or at least I think we blew the PA. It was so long ago, I don't remember what happened. We fixed that with some, I I don't even know how we fixed it. I didn't fix shit. And it was just god-awful. People were literally, literally running out the door. It was so funny. It wasn't funny then. Back then, we were all pissed. Those guys don't take, they don't know what real damn music is. We're serious artists. No, we weren't. We were jackass kids that were trying to do something cool. Another kind of funny bit is where we were situated, we could see the front door. And people were walking up to the front door, and they would pull it open. And they would kind of cock their head like a dog and then just let the door go and turn around and walk away. And of course, that pissed us off even more. But after playing music for almost 30 years, I'd have done the same damn thing. I'd have put my hand on that door. I'd have opened it and I'd have went, nope, not going in there. So there you go. There's my first story from the stage, which is my first time on stage. Uh, It's a real short story. Obviously, I don't know if I blocked part of it out or if it just sucks so bad that that's really all I can remember. Just kind of the same thing as blocking it out. This section is probably going to end up becoming my favorite, even though it's going to suck for me. Uh, because whoever I have in here hanging out with me, the musicians I have in here hanging out with me, they're going to have stories from the stage as well. And I think it's going to be really cool to hear what other musicians have gone through. And for you guys to hear us kind of compare notes and say, oh, yeah, well, my shit was worse than your shit. Yeah, we'll see. Some of them will be fantastic. Some of them will be funny. Some of them will be... I don't even want to think about what some of them will be because I've got some nasty ones myself. So here's another section that I'm going to have from week to week, and it's called, What Am I Listening To? For this first episode, I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. In the spring of this year, James Blunt released a record called The Afterlove. Most of you have probably heard of James Blunt. At some point, he had that hit back in 2005 that was called You're Beautiful, which is hard to believe that was 12 years ago. Holy shit, dudes, we're getting old. Anyway, this new record is, I think it's perfect from top to bottom. Uh, The production is amazing. The songwriting is amazing. He's a hell of a songwriter, and I don't think he gets enough credit. Lyrically, he's also a very good storyteller. He's got a couple of songs on that record, speaking of lyrics, where he references himself and he references older songs, uh, one being You're Beautiful. And I just thought it was real witty and real smart how he did it because he's not necessarily ripping on himself, but he's kind of tipping the hat and acknowledging what people think about him. He knows what people think about him, and I think it's kind of funny. I also think it's very smart songwriting. So I definitely suggest checking that record out. It's called James Blunt, The Afterlove. And if you haven't checked out any of his other stuff, I highly recommend it. He's he's so much more than just that hit, You're Beautiful. He had another hit, too, and I don't remember what it is. I don't really keep up with radio charts and the active rock charts and this chart and that chart and a pie chart and a squat chart. I don't, I don't give a shit. But Your Beautiful was so big in 2005, you couldn't escape that song, which is great for him. I'm not knocking it. 
Guys had more hits than me. I've had zero. Literally zero. So, that's it, kids. That's the first episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I hope you dug it. I hope you found it interesting, or at least entertaining, or at least you giggled your ass off at my stupidity. I'm fine with any of that. I do hope that you'll come back and check out some future episodes, because like I said, I will change some things as I roll on. I may keep this exact format. I may not. But I will be interactive. I'll have the Facebook page. I'll have that address up. And I've already given you the Gmail address, so you can email me or post any random questions that you want, or you can tell me to go pound salt and jump off a cliff. I'll leave it entirely in your hands. But like I said, I hope you dug it. I hope you dag it. Dag even a word? Oh, yeah, that's an old school 70s word. Dag! Yeah, I remember that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll check out future episodes. And I hope that this thing becomes a success. And I hope it doesn't fail. Wait, could it really fail? Is it a failure? If I got to the end of the episode, which is where we are, then doesn't that mean I've already succeeded? I accomplished it. The aim or the purpose was to record a podcast. And I did it. And if you're still with me, then you win too because you made it to the end of me rambling. Hmm, look at that. It is a success. I'll be damned. So until next time, I will talk at you soon.